Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome. Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. It's great to be back. It's great to be back. I was busy with the bar mitzvah and touring my family around Israel this past week. That's why I uh, had to take a week off from the show. And it's very interesting what I came away with. And it's this. Move here. <laughs> Live here. Don't come here just as a tourist. I just experienced Israel from the eyes of my family who are foreign. They were depending on me for a lot. Language, culture, every little thing. And it was, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame to not live here and know this stuff. It's a shame to live here without Hebrew, without any sense of geography. Um, being a tourist, being dependent on the hotel industry and the restaurants and strangers who don't have your best interest, you know? Oh, it just brought it all so clearly into focus. I know you all listening to the show love Israel and it's called returning home and maybe you all have the interest of guests coming back here to live and I'm going to say here loud and clear I'm going to say it again throughout the show start moving okay come come here and live here and don't just come to visit it is so painful for me (laughs) to see the attitudes and the struggles and the interpretations and how it's so much easier for me it's so familiar to me so many different little things. Um, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Checking out of a hotel. Okay, there's check-in time, there's check-out time, right? Check-in time is generally 11, or sorry, check-in time is generally 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Check-out time is generally 11 in the morning. What can you do if you want more time? You can arrange, call the front desk, or ask, I guess on the app, arrange, can I have late check-out? Late check-out is just an hour later. Make it 12. Okay, what does that mean? What does that mean? In the olden days, before the internet and all this stuff, you would actually take the key to the front desk and say, I'm checking out, and they would ring you up, right? Close your bill. If you hadn't paid ahead of time, you pay then. But you give your key back. Well, today there are no keys, right? It's the cards, the key cards, the swipes, they're electronically programmed. Um, so you, in Israel, at least, you don't go to the desk. You just walk out the door. So who's watching? Who's watching if you walk out at 12 or 11? Nobody. The only people that know are you. <laughs> you. Now, if the, they're going to need to clean your room, right? So the cleaners will know. So that's it. Nobody else cares. So it's very funny to see my sister, one of my sisters, one, you know, very, very proud of herself for getting late checkout and uh, getting her day scheduled around the checkout. And I'm like... Don't worry about it. I'll stay with the stuff. You get do what you got to do. I'm going to be on my computer in the room. Pack up and I'll take care of everything. So, you know, I did. I put all, I stayed there and you know, we checked we we actually left the hotel around 1, 1:30. 1 um, close to, you know, quarter to 2. Because the guy wasn't coming to clean the room. I was there and I saw. Now, what would have happened if he had gotten to our room cuz he was coming down the hall when we left? What would have happened? What would have happened? Natalie would have said to him, we'll be out in a minute, you know, give us a couple minutes. Or can you just continue down the hall and uh, we'll be out soon. 
what would have happened? He would have gone to the next room. He doesn't care. But that's how Israel is. But Israel's flexible. They're not such, such, um, you know, we say machmir, you know. They're not so uh, so strict with these types of things. But in other countries, I guess they are. And my sister was expecting them to be very, very strict, which I thought was hilarious, okay? Because I know it isn't. And I know when you check out, you don't have to tell anybody. You just walk out. So it's on you. Um, you know, generally, when I'm at a hotel, like, I have things to do. So I'm not hanging around the hotel room. I get out of there. But in this case, you know, I was with my mom and my sisters, and they're slow. And they have a lot of suitcases. And there was a kid, a child, and everything was slow. That was, so there's no reason to be stressed in Israel for travel because it's it's pretty easy. Another um, difference also is is restaurants, eating out in restaurants. Nobody in Israel, the the wait staff, they don't really push you along at all. Um, you could pretty much stay parked at your table all night. They never come and push you out. You have to ask for your bill and ask things to be wrapped up. They're not coming along moving you along so it's more like you're renting the table for the night it's pretty funny also so uh there's no rush vacation travel it's very very leisurely here and that's also funny to see my sister was very much on this time schedule and you don't need to be you don't need to be so that was funny um and uh what else just just so many things um you know, wrapping things to go. They're very accommodating. You know, they wrap up everything to go. And my sisters didn't ask. And they're leaving food all over the place. Now, I don't leave food. I have kids to feed at home. They're going to want my leftovers. I might get hungry later. I'll want my leftovers. I don't believe in leaving food, okay? Food here is expensive. Restaurants are expensive. In general, <clears throat> travel is expensive. It's good, but the, you're, you're, it's expensive. So, pay, so, you know, you're paying for the food. Take it home. Take it, take it in a doggy bag. Um, maybe that's just my family. I don't think so, though. I, I see people leaving food all over the place in Israel. And I always wrap it up. And same with the Israeli breakfast in the hotel. Israel is known for their breakfast. Their breakfast is tremendous. Salads and just so much food. Cheese and fish and um, also, like, you know, the, om- the omelet stations. And it's so, it's just overwhelming. Of course you're going to take food. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? You know, take some bread for later. Just silly. So, of course I did. And then everyone needed it and wanted it later. But my sisters wouldn't take. I think maybe they were embarrassed. A lot of people don't want to take food. They they feel like they're stealing. It's embarrassing. They look cheap. I don't care about stuff like that. I say take a little food for later. And um, so I did. But uh, it was very, just very funny. Their Their attitude. Now, maybe they have... Um, this thing against leftovers, I, I really don't know. I think when you're traveling, though, you just never know when you're going to be hungry. You know, you're on the road. But we had such a beautiful time, and the weather was perfect. But uh, I will say this, they, they do see, and when you skip around from place to place, it is exhausting. And travel times, you know, you had to take that stuff into account, and you had to prepare. And my sisters are great, but they really, you know, depended on me. And I let them, and that's okay. I do live here. I do know the distances and everything. But, you know, you should really learn a little bit before you come to any country. And I know people do. I mean, you don't go to Bolivia without knowing the the layout. You don't go somewhere without an itinerary. You either depend on the tour operator or you plan it out yourself. But you don't just go there and plop yourself down in someone's house and say, okay, take care of me. Silly, ridiculous. You know, it's a lot. 
Um, you know, Israel's a small country, but to get from place to place does take time. And you have to take that time into account, and then the packing and the unpacking. So traveling here, traveling anywhere, I'm not, I'm not a big, big uh, advocate of traveling. I think traveling is really hard. I am an advocate of Israel, and I am a big advocate of coming to live here. Because when you do live here, you can still travel, okay? It's not like you live here, and then you can't travel anymore. There are tons of places I go. There are tons of places. We go to the beach, like, every week. We go to the Nitzanim Beach, this private beach south of Ashdod. I love it, so I've been there five times in the past five weeks. Um, there are places I haven't been yet in Israel. I have not been to the Hermon, the, the north, where people ski. I have not been there. Um... Since we've lived here, I have not been to the Golan. Um, I have not done a sea-to-sea hike, which is very popular, from the Mediterranean Sea on the west coast to the Kinneret. That's a very popular hike. It could be a three-day hike, a five-day hike, a week long. A lot of people do that. Um, There's a lot of things I haven't done, a lot of places I haven't gone to, a lot of places I haven't visited. And um, when you move here, don't think you have to give up being a tourist. Not at all. You can continue being a tourist. But it's good to have a base. And it's good to have familiarity and language and culture. So start learning your Hebrew people. Start practicing your Hebrew, your foods, how to order. Um, where's the bathroom? What time is it? How much does this cost? All these phrases, you, you, you really want to have these. You want to feel comfortable here. And you want people to respect you, you know, and, and not just see you as a target, as a tourist that they can take advantage of. Um, it's just, uh, it was so, you know, painful for me to see that my family was so dependent on me for everything, everything. Um, and they were so funny that because they were so like, uh, how do I say this? Um, they, they were, they were not quick to criticize. Now when a waiter is, uh, wrong or, um, not, not polite or something, you know, like I'm, I'm pretty much pushy that way, you know, like, you know, come on, listen, please bring water, you know, no, there are lots of people, we need two big bottles of water, I mean, ridiculous, but no, you know, if you're a traveler, you're dependent on them, you want to be nice to them, they, you're, 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 you bend over backwards to be nice to these people, Uh, that's painful to me to see that they should be helping us, they should be, you know, we're paying them to come to their restaurant, so bring water, you know, uh, enough water, please. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Some of these uh, people, the, the, the service industry here, the customer service here is so bad. Um, it's been bad for forever. Uh, and it's not much better today than it was 20 years ago. That's something that we Americans and we Westerners who have manners and know how to greet people at the door, we really could bring that here and, and teach because, well, they... You, we walk into a hotel here, and the desk, the reception, they're like looking down at their computers, on their phones. They don't look up. You're standing there, they don't look up, just like at the hospital. They don't look up. You have to like, hello, shalom. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's embarrassing, okay? It's embarrassing. It shouldn't be that way. Um, we have such beautiful vacation spots here. We went to the beach. I took them to the the Mediterranean Sea, as they call it. We, I took them to the Nisani Beach, this private beach I know south of Ashdod, which probably many of you listening have never heard of or have been to. It's it's a quiet beach. It's not a tourist beach. Then I also we went to Jerusalem for one day. They went with my son. He took them through the old city to the um, to the hotel, the wall, and um, 
walked them up to the Shuk on uh, Jaffa Street. And I took my mom, actually, to visit different friends of mine uh, so she could see what it was to live in Jerusalem. I took her to her friend from childhood who lives in a studio apartment, and I took her to two friends. One lives in a high-rise with, like, you know, 27 floors. One lives in a smaller building in Catamon. I think it's maybe three floors up. They all have elevators. And it's good to see how people live here. Um, and you can live any style you want. That's another thing. I know we talk about this often on the show, but it's true. Um, there are people who live wealthy. There are people who live simple. Um, there are people who live fancy. You know, different styles. Everything is possible. You can come here at any financial level. Okay, You do not need to be rich to live in Israel. You don't. If that's what you think, it's it's a myth. It's wrong. People do live well here. There are people who come with lots of money. There are people who come without lots of money. All right, and they make it too. Um, there's something for everyone here, and it's and it's don't don't say I can't do it. I can't afford it because you can. All right, it just might be a different style. It might be a little harder to find. Um, you're not going to live in a high rise in in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem. Okay, you'll live out here where we live, where it's more affordable. Um, what else was funny um, and hard to see? Um, Jerusalem is rocky, not rocky, sorry, hilly. It's hilly. And one of the women I introduced my mother to said straight out, you know, if I were to move here at this age, I would live in a flat place, a flat place like Natanya or Ashkelon. Um, so all of you listening, and we've had people living in Ashkelon on the show, Natanya also, I think, and they describe how beautiful it is. Yeah, you don't hear any complaints from those people about the hills because there are no hills there. And it's very built up. So take into account your physical condition and your physical limits. Um, my mom doesn't walk so well anymore. And um, she didn't have a problem on that one day walking a little bit. But boy, was she tired at the end of the day. Really, really tired. Uh, traffic here is, is pretty um, rough also. But you, it's, you know, it's just one of those things you get used to. You get used to traffic, you know, and what I consider bad traffic, my sister was saying, oh, it's nothing like where we live, right? So it's very funny. It's all relative. It's all relative. There were um, parts of the of the bar mitzvah itself I didn't even talk to you about yet. The bar mitzvah is why everyone came in. And I don't think I even told you who came in. My two sisters and their children and my mom. It was the first time I ever had... Um, a lot of family for a bar mitzvah. I say a lot. It was five people, okay? Not a lot for, for most people. But for us, it was a lot. And my husband's family did not come in. Some of them are coming in in May. So they missed it. But this bar mitzvah was special because I think I've told you we are developing a, a hilltop here. And that's where I held it. It was the first time there were prayers on Shabbat on this hilltop. Every Friday night, there's a group of people who do gather there. But this was the first time they had a tour reading. So I actually had to have a sukkah built for shade. I had to get chairs put up there. I had a kiddush put up there. I had to use this guy's house and I brought kugel and grape juice and used the hot plate. We had a hot kiddush there, vegetables and crackers and cake and all that. Um, and um, the women used the house and the porch and the men used the sukkah and the outdoor. There was no machitza, no real separation. Um, now, this is all new for my family. So it wasn't like as exciting for them as it was for me because they don't go to services at all and if they do ever go to synagogue they go to a conservative synagogue so they don't even know about being separate okay but uh it was very funny what they 
came back, came away with. And they had never seen candy thrown at a bar mitzvah before. That's what they thought was pretty cool. Pretty funny, right? Because they do that here, everywhere. Um, the Thursday before the bar mitzvah, the Shabbat, my son read in his class, not in his class, in his for the whole junior high, because that's how they do it. They have um, every day that's how they you know they do tefillah together they have a bait midrash a bait midrash is a big study hall it's like a big synagogue hall right so there are 160 kids in the junior high and he read in front of all of them not the whole Torah portion like three sections and afterwards they 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 did not throw candy they didn't let that happen there but they danced and i made a breakfast for them i brought a breakfast in for them 40 kids i think that was very exciting to see him with his friends because um, on Shabbat, we don't dance and have music. There's no music on Shabbat. My mother didn't know that. My sisters didn't know that. So all the dancing and the music they had at the school during the week. And that was great to see them lift up my son on a chair and, and spin him around and all that type of thing, which I never see. That was like a real old-fashioned party. You see that in conservative uh, bar mitzvahs. That was awesome. Um, and a little practice for him, and really, really nice. And so then, uh, two days later, we had the real bar mitzvah, and his friends came to that too, and I had a lunch for them, and we had Friday night meals for my friends and my family, and I had a Onik Shabbat afterwards for the community, and um, really, really busy. We had some people come from out of town, and from out of town, meaning out of Susia, non-Susia people, I had to get houses for them to stay in, because those of you who don't know, when you keep Shabbat, as a religious person, you don't travel. Um, so whoever comes here for Shabbat stays for the entire Shabbat. You have to get them a house, you know, and a place to stay. Um, there's also no electricity when you keep Shabbat, so no pictures were taken. And my sister took some, very few. She took one of her walk up the hill and one of, I guess it was at the end, with some people gathering there. So nobody got pictures, and this is like a once-in-a-lifetime thing here. And hopefully, you know what, hopefully not once-in-a-lifetime. It was the first. It was the first time there was a reading up there. It was the first time there was anything on Shabbat. Um, and hopefully not the last. But that, that you really feel like, wow, no pictures. Did it even happen? But of course, it was, it was just great. So many people came. And uh, they threw the candy up there, and it was so funny to see them throw candy on the hill. And then afterwards, because we're on a mountain top, you can run. So the kids were throwing candy at each other and running and running, like, uh, down the mountain, you know, over the rocks, and not bothering anybody. You didn't have to shush them. You can't hear them. It was windy up there. There's a lot of space. Really, really different, really special, and um, my son did a great job, and uh, it was it was really um, awesome. And those of you who come to Israel and come to Susia, I'll take you up there. It's a 20-minute walk. It's a beautiful walk. This is where I walk with my dog every morning, pretty much. Um... So it's like not new territory for me, but there are people in Susa who've never even been there. There were people in Susa who said, how do you get there? Um, so it's interesting, you know, you, people might think that all settlers are the same and they're all ideological and they're all rough and tough. Not at all, okay? There are people who live here in the settlements, in the Yishuvim, who drive in their cars and go to their jobs and come home and never walk, okay? They never walk beyond their driveway. They never walk beyond their little neighborhood. Lots of people like that. They don't move here to be settlers. They don't move here for any ideological reason. They move here because it's a nice life. It's a quiet life. Now listen, you hear noise now. I'm next to the school. It's Friday morning. It's 740. 
And that's what you hear. You hear the kids going to school, the buses, the cars. It's busy here. It's a regular, in many ways, a regular suburban life. Um, so I'm going to, uh, you know, come on, sweetheart. The dog is under a tree eating whatever he can find here. Um, it was really, really a busy week. Very, very busy. Great to see so many travelers here. The tourist industry is, is hopping, you know. It's not even a holiday. So that was also great. It's after Sukkot and it's crowded people. It was great. Really, really great to see that. Wherever we went, okay, we went to the Dead Sea. We went to Eilat. We went to Yerushalayim. Crowded. Everywhere crowded. There were elections this week. Crowded. People had the day off. So everyone uses that as a vacation day. Just great. Just really great. Um, I will be coming to the States. I don't know if I said this yet. I'll be coming November 10th to the 21st to be in Florida. So any of you who want to um, contact me and see me and invite me to speak to your community, I would appreciate it. Some of you have already written. Thank you for those. I'm saying it again. Reach me at natalie at israelnewstalkradio.com and I will tell you about my Israel, Israel from my eyes, from behind the scenes, the Israel you don't hear about, and the incredible work of our emergency rescue medics, Hatzalah Logvlot, Hatzalah Yudah Just last night, a girl was um, shot in the head in Kiryat Arba, a 13-year-old girl. She was outside a clinic. They are discussing whether it was a stray bullet from Hebron or a sniper attack. Um, that's one of the more unusual things that happened. But there was a car ramming in the Jordan Valley two days ago, and there was a shooting in Kiryat Arba three days ago, and there are stonings on the road every day. And um, there was another car ramming. It was, when I say car ramming, it wasn't an accident, people. Like, my, my sister's like, oh, was it an accident? No, it was not an accident. When a car goes after people standing at a bus stop and then continues to hit whoever they can, that is purposeful. That is terror, okay? And this is going on. This is going on. Um, our medics get there quickly, and they're stabilizing these victims and getting them the help they need and getting them to the hospital because we live close and uh, I have to keep explaining that to people. Like We live close. That's why we're there first. And, you know, all of you listening, I'm sure many of you support other organizations. And I'm telling you, thank you. You know, keep supporting your other organizations. But also add us, okay? We really do need the help. We're out here in the places where there is no one else. There, there are no other organizations here. There are no other rescue medics here. It's us. It's us doing this work. Um, without borders, what does that mean? You know, we, we, don't, we don't stop because it's dangerous. We, we go, we go there and thank goodness. It's funny, you know, I, I don't think many people ask those questions when they move here, where, what do you do when there's an emergency? I don't know why they don't ask. We don't ask, right? Nobody wants to, nobody wants an emergency. sounds, right? Morning sounds of children in traffic. Just like any neighborhood. Like any suburban neighborhood. You know, when tourists come, often they come to these yeshuvim during the day, and it's empty because the kids are in school. You don't see any kids. So if you come here between 7 and 8, 
or in the afternoon, then you see it. Then you see how the life really is here. Full. It's full. It's a full life. Full of life, full of children. Oh, it's so great. You know, it keeps you young. It really keeps you young. There are um, retirement communities in Israel. There are. And I actually took my mom to see one. We interviewed a woman who lives in one from Omer. Wow, I forget her name. And um, there are those places. But um, do they keep you young? I don't think so. I don't know, actually. Uh, someone told me, no, Natalie, surround yourself with young people. Stay here. Stay here. You don't want to be looking around and see older people. But if you stay, surround yourself with young people is what you should do. I, um, you know, I don't think everyone agrees with that. Some people don't like kids. Some people don't want to hear the noise. I get it. But it's like, uh, it's like medicine, you know? It's so, uh, alive. It's just like hearing music or animals. My, my sisters all remarked about the birds here. They said, the birds here, you, you wake up, you hear the birds. Now, I know they have birds in America. You know, I said, Joe, don't you have birds where you live? She goes, and they're like, yeah, we do. We do, actually, but here you really hear them. And I think what they, they probably are not saying is here it's just so quiet. You're, you don't hear, you know, you're in nature here. But, you know, the thing is, my, my sisters, one of them lives in the city, but one also lives in a quiet place. So I don't know what she's remarking. I don't think the birds here are louder. Maybe it's just, maybe the, the houses aren't insulated as well, so you hear them more. That could be it. It's funny. They were really remarking about the birds. I'm like, don't you hear the roosters? You're across the street. There's a rooster right there. That they didn't know. They didn't say anything about. Roosters and goats. That's a year. So that's pretty much uh, my recordings for this week. I wanted to tell you about the Bar Mitzvah. It was Parsha um, Noach. And those of you who follow the Parsha, that was the longest one of the year and very challenging for my son, who's not the most studious kid, but he did it. He did the whole thing and the Haftor also. And not only did he do it, but he did it on a mountaintop with wind and goats crawling around and, um, you know, a very different atmosphere. And he was fine. And he, he did it with full concentration and everything. You know, I could barely hear him because it was windy, but it was very, very, very different and awesome and I have a great memory. Unfortunately, we don't have pictures, but I think that happens with lots of bar mitzvahs. People only get pictures before. You don't get the bar mitzvah picture, you know, of the real event. Maybe we should have done a rehearsal. That would have been nice. But getting people up there was, it was kind of a challenge also. Um, we really didn't know who was going to come. It ended up being about 50 people. And we ran out of food and everything. And one other thing that happened during this bar mitzvah is I explained to you that I had to do meals, but I don't think I explained to you that there's no catering service to help you during Shabbat. What you do is you have girls help you, and, you know, I hired two waitresses, and I had a caterer prepare food before and deliver it Friday, but I had hot plates and everything set up in the hall, and I had to do all that myself and set up the tables it's a lot of work and it's a lot of buying and it's a lot of preparation and I had lists for six different events of you know different forks and cups and how much stuff you need and I ran out. I ran out. I ran out of plates. I ran no no, I did not run out of plates. I ran out of forks and I ran out of cups. And um something else funny, I 
you know, you're all excited for his first time making Kiddush, making the, the bracha over the wine on Friday night. And I didn't prepare the the cups for the guests. You, he says the bracha, and then he pours grape juice into cups, and then you pour grape juice from a bottle because there's so many guests. We had about, I don't know, about 40 people. And I bought the small cups, but I forgot to lay them out on a tray. And, oh, I was just like, <laughs> I was really, it was kind of a mess, a little embarrassing. And my sons who were watching this were like, Mom, you're just a mess. What is going on? And it was just so funny, you know. And um, I was so embarrassed, right? But friends of mine were like, look, you know, it happens. Nobody cares. It's fine. These are small things. Don't worry about it. So um, it was really nice. It's nice to not have such fancy friends and have people to perform for. Um, it was just my family and friends, and they're forgiving. And it isn't a performance. It really is not. It's a beautiful simcha. Okay, it's a celebration. And it was a beautiful Shabbat. And yeah, there were some mistakes I made, like I just told you. Also, like the cake melted like there was writing on the cake and it totally ran the, the writing just ran it just looked awful nobody cared you know nobody cared um that's nice about it here about i don't know if it's susia i don't know if it's israel i don't know if it's just me and my family um it was it was really uh it was great and i don't think every family gets along ours really does we traveled afterwards i told you for maybe four days in the car, you know, in the hotel, and restaurants, constantly together. And, you know, people get on each other's nerves. It happens. But then you just move on, you know. And uh, in the end, everybody had a pretty good experience. And they're already thinking about coming again. So when I said at the beginning of the show, don't come just to be a tourist. Come to live. It's not possible for everybody, okay? And it's not in everybody's, you know, um, it's not a goal. For a lot of American Jews, it's just not a goal for them. And even coming to Israel is a big deal for them. So at least they came. And all of you who do come, continue to come, continue to visit, continue to make your vacation in Israel. We, you can, and you can break it up, you know. You can you could spend the entire time in one place. You could spend the entire time in Eilat, the Dead Sea. You could spend the entire time in Yerushalayim. We didn't. They ran around. But you really, there is a lot to see and learn and do and relax and enjoy and um, I'm here to help you. I, I've done this many times, and I, I know it's, you know, hard because different people have different things they want to do, but I'm here to help you. I help other people who are coming, who have come, and um, I'm here on the ground with advice and a hand, and especially in the southern Chevron Hills where there's very few tour operators, if any, very few people who know it like I do. And if any of you want to check it out, you know, we're only an hour from the Dead Sea. We're an hour and 20 minutes from Yerushalayim. And it's very, very different here. It's very non-touristy and very non-commercial. Um, but there's stuff to do and see. And um, reach out to me privately at natalie at israelnewstalkradio.com. Again, I will be in Florida in just a few days from November 10th to the 21st. I'd love to see you in person. Whoever wants to get together, please reach out to me. Don't be shy. Natalie at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And that's a wrap for today's show. And uh, I don't think I'll have one next week. So um, just, you know, keep listening to all the other programming we have. And I'll catch you when I get back to Israel.
Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candlelighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel. Plus, little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 